used to have a mentor that would always say, you know, there's more than one path to heaven. And I think that's so critical for people to understand, like pick a path that works for you. There is no one way to do this. And as many entrepreneurs as there are, there are that many different ways to go about building something that matters. Hey guys, welcome to Startup Hand-Me-Downs, the podcast that passes insights from founders and thought leaders down to the next generation. I'm your host, Philip Kusumu, and thank you so much for giving me your time. I promise it'll be worth it. guys we are back i know it's been a while everyone's been asking me for more shows more episodes more interviews just been super busy obviously i just moved back to london from new york so things have been a bit hectic but i will be releasing the show every single week from now so lucky you so this episode is actually an oldie but a goodie and i wanted to resurface this one because I think I learned so much from Tom and so many other people who listened to the show said that this was one of their favorite shows. So I wanted to resurface this one. And this episode was actually aired initially in 2017. Wow. So today's guest is none other than Tom Bilyeu, co-founder of Quest Nutrition and founder and host of Impact Theory. You've probably seen his clips all over Instagram and YouTube. He's grown so much since this initial interview so I thought it was time that we actually resurfaced this interview. As you'll hear I was a pretty bad interviewer but luckily I was interviewing an OG so it worked out. So Tom Bilyeu brought that fire regardless of my poor interviewing skills. So many great insights and so many killer pieces of advice that he drops in there. If you haven't already checked out Impact Theory Tom's YouTube and podcast, make sure you do because he's got some of the best interviews on there with some of the highest performers in their crafts. He's interviewed some real top dogs. So quick background on Tom, as I mentioned, he was one of the co-founders of Quest Nutrition, which was recently acquired for a billion dollars in cash. And he's now the founder and host of Impact Theory. Before Quest, he ran a successful tech company for about seven years before he started working on Quest Nutrition on evenings and weekends with his co-founders and wife. What's crazy about this interview is that at the time when I was interviewing Tom, Quest was only valued at a billion dollars. So the fact that they've actually sold for a billion dollars is crazy. Most tech companies never actually realize their quote unquote valuation when it comes to actually being sold. And we're seeing that right now with WeWork and the IPO initially valued at 47 billion now 10 billion who knows what it's going to be when they actually ipo but anyway enough about that this is a killer episode i'm so glad that i'm able to resurface this let's get into it oh wow that's actually a very different question so i am super low-key uh from a dinner party perspective so i would never lead with um any of the things that i've done to be honest um (laughs) 
Uh, how do I introduce myself on a podcast? Uh, that that is, I'm one of the co-founders of Quest Nutrition, which was an Inc. 500 company, um, and I'm now the co-founder and CEO of Impact Theory, which is me completing the circle of wellness. So, if Quest was wellness from a body perspective, Impact Theory is wellness from a mind perspective. Awesome. We're going to get into to that a bit further on. Um, so, going back to Quest. The I guess the first kind of notable business that you've grown to become a so-called unicorn. How did it start in the early days? Where did the idea come from? Well, in the early days, it, it really was um, like a lot of great things. It was born of misery. So my <laughs> partners and I, we had built a very successful technology company that back in 2010 was named as the 42nd fastest growing uh, technology company in North America. We were making money, winning awards. Uh, we're standing in this beautiful conference room overlooking the Pacific Ocean, and we turned to each other and we're just like, we're miserable. Wow. Um, and we want to do something that's really predicated on adding value to people's lives, doing something that we're really going to be passionate about, that we could believe in and love and, and fight for. Um, and for three very different reasons, the answer to that question was Quest Nutrition. And for me, it was I had grown up in a morbidly obese family and, and seen the human toll that that battle really takes on people and wanted to save my mom and my sister who struggled very profoundly with um, their food and their weight. And so that was something that I knew I would love doing. Like even if we were failing, I would love fighting for that and really pushing to do something great there. And yeah, that, that really became the genesis for it. And we put value creation at the center of everything. And we said, you know, we're not going to ask what's going to make us the most money. And, and for the first time in our entrepreneurial careers, we really set money on the back burner and said, you know, this is going to be about value. This is going to be about really creating products that are going to help people that we're passionate about them. And we're just going to think about it in a whole new way. And our goal is going to be to add so much value to people's lives that we evangelize those customers and that they can't help but talk about us and we really understood social media before a lot of people did you know when we first started conceiving of the company back in 2009 people were really saying you know facebook is a distraction and they didn't understand how it could be a powerful tool for business mm -hmm. but what we understood was that it was just a megaphone and you were now living in an era where within minutes of an interaction with your company people had a global voice and so your job as a as a company as a marketer especially was to make sure that you were giving people something positive to say because they were going to say something and so that was our mantra you know just deliver unparalleled value that's, that's great and i guess how big was the company that you founded before you made the transition and I guess you did you sell the company you sold your shares or we did yeah we sold that company and um, compared to quest I'll, I'll give you a fun stat so um, quest which has been valued at over a billion dollars uh, makes more in a day than that company made annually so Jesus. even though it was successful <laughs> and you know rated as a fast-growing company in the technology space there's levels right so it uh, it on the scale of quest it, it was just a dot Wow. Um, okay, so you've got this idea, Quest, you want to add value, bring value to the world. Did you guys kind of still have your day jobs before you left everything or how did it work? 
Yeah, we did. And that's something for you know startup entrepreneurs to really, really understand. This doesn't have to be some crazy big risk. You don't have to you know go all in and burn the ships at the shore. It's like that can be a powerful strategy, but there's no reason to take a massive risk. Like you can hedge your bets. And so at first, no, we did not. Um, sell the company and at first we were doing both at the same time and we were running the technology company by day and then making the the protein bars by hand with rolling pins and handheld knives and sealing them three at a time <laughs> at wow. night and uh, we got we I think we were already profitable before we sold the company wow that's huge and I guess all three of you come from like a technology background or a marketing background. None of you guys are like nutritionists or registered dietitians. How are you coming up with these recipes? Well, so my business partner, Ron, is just die hard into nutrition, human metabolism for his own sake, and really had been the thought leader among all of us, um, even at our technology company, um, you know, telling us what he was learning and all of that stuff, uh, which was incredibly, incredibly empowering and was something I had used in my own life to transform my physique. And that was just um, really, really incredible. And to watch him, even though that wasn't his official training, to watch him just learn so much about it, to see mm -hmm. him after you know we'd launched the company and people really understood that he was able to back up his knowledge with product creation, to see that the highest level thinkers in the space take him just incredibly seriously so you know lesson to anybody out there it really doesn't matter what you study or what you go to university for my degrees in film so wow. <laughs> you know while i used a lot of the techniques to um, apply to marketing for sure yeah. uh, at the end of the day it doesn't matter it really comes down to what do you want to become the best in the world at what are you prepared to learn and grow and develop and you're you're going to get maybe a, a small head start if you study it in school but you really can learn anything you want now with the internet, with the just amazing human beings that are out there writing books right now, putting all their hard-won knowledge into a format that you can take and learn and digest and put into practice. You know, the, the internet truly has democratized knowledge. And so now anybody, anywhere, if you have access to the internet, you have access to knowledge, and it just comes down to what you're willing to apply your time and energy to. No, I absolutely agree. You can literally become who you want just by you know putting in the hours reading studying and mastering your craft um so just to take a step back a minute you said you were profitable before you even went full-time how did that even work where were you selling to so we were selling exclusively online and that was a right. really critical decision that we made in the early days you know we had a big debate about do we go to stores first or do we go online first like what's the surest path to success uh, luckily, ultimately, we made the decision to go online. I think it's one of the smartest decisions that we made as a company mm -hmm. because it allowed us to create what they call pull-through demand so that stores were having so many people coming into them saying, hey, why don't you carry Quest? I want to buy Quest that we were able to get contracts that were um, fair. And in the beginning, the you know they were approaching us really, really early. And we just kept saying no because their contracts were so predatory and it's really crazy to me how many people think that the way to do business is to be predatory. And if you do that, people are just looking for every way to get around you. Yeah. And you know, when we started, this is what, almost seven years ago now, um, 
the internet didn't seem as obvious of a choice as it does now. I mean, now it's like, of course you start on the internet, of course you use social media to build your following, yeah. but it just wasn't that obvious back then. And, you know, the, the real battle that's happening now in the retail space is, is how Amazon, you know, sort of as the representative of the online play is really disrupting everything. And for entrepreneurs that are really paying attention, watch what they go, they do with Amazon Go, uh, their new store concepts. Yep. It is unbelievable. And I think they're going to change the paradigm again. Yeah. And um, in terms of like being online, what was your main acquisition channel? I know you mentioned social before. Was it only social? That was our marketing channel for sure. Uh, we were almost exclusively um a social play. We were doing some CPC advertising, uh, but really, really the, the bulk of what we were doing was social. And in the beginning, the bulk of what we were doing was Facebook. So and that was back when Facebook was totally free to play, you could build up your community, you had total access to them, you know, and we had to live through the algorithm change. And, and when they went to an advertising pay for play model, um, but like anything, you know, look, the landscape's always going to be changing and it's about the people that adapt that are going to survive. There's actually a really great quote by Darwin that not a lot of people understand because he's so often misquoted. <laughs> so Darwin said, it is not the strongest of the species that survive, nor the most intelligent, but rather the most adaptive to change. Yeah. And when you think about what makes humans the apex predator, it's that ability to adapt. And as an entrepreneur, man, adaptation is the name of the game that you're playing. Yeah, 100%. And in regards to the social element i guess were influencers key to your growth as well no question that was such a huge part of our strategy was to go out to the influencers that people were already listening to they were you know in our space walking billboards because they had amazing physiques and we knew that if they had an amazing physique somebody was going to come up to them and say what did you do to get that and we wanted to make sure that their answer was always i ate a quest bar so <laughs> we identified you know those really important influencers we wrote them handcrafted letters that showed them that we really knew who they were we yeah. knew the value proposition to their audience we knew what they were trying to do and we believed that we had a really amazing and unique product that was going to deliver value to them and our only ask was that they talk about it. So we're gonna give you this product. If you hate it, tell people you hate it. But if you love it, tell people you love it. And because we didn't try to script it, we didn't say like, hey, we're gonna give you this, but only if you say this, um, the people were blown away. And they were blown away by our willingness to let them be honest. And that it wasn't like, hey, well, if you don't say something nice, we're not gonna give you anything. We thought, hey, if you're willing to use this product and you think it adds value, man, we'll just, we'll keep going with it. Sure. And I guess, you know, influencer marketing wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now back then um do you think influencer marketing is still like powerful now or do you feel as though it's like diminishing returns like everyone's an influencer and everyone's using influencer marketing no i think it's i think it's still red hot and as long as human beings act like human beings influencer marketing is always going to be critical um, the platforms are going to come and go the strategies are going to come and go uh, but actually engaging with people who actually have real influence, uh, when it's authentic, when it's value add, like I think that's always, always, always going to be a winning solution. And you know, you look in the old days, and an influencer was somebody who was famous, and they had just a huge megaphone. And so, even if it wasn't an authentic relationship, they could rep your product, and just having them vouch for it was social proof enough that people would go and buy it. And that paradigm has shifted, and I think you get a lot bigger bang for your buck when people 
really understand that this person um, may not be the most famous person in the world, but they've used this product. They really use it in their life. They have a super authentic relationship, what the company stands for, the person stands for. And so when they talk about it, it's coming from a really genuine place. I think that is is forever going to play. Mm, yeah, so interesting. Because I thought, you know, influencer marketing, everyone's trying to be an influencer now. And I just, I just felt like further down the line, it might not be as powerful as it is. But when you put it like that, I think it makes a lot more sense that yes, people are always going to be looking at other human beings for inspiration um, and see what the latest cool gig is. Okay, so moving on, you guys actually never took funding in the early days. Was that something that you guys said we would never ever do or was it just you never needed it? Well, A, we didn't want to do it, and B, we didn't need it. I wouldn't say that we were like so dogmatic that we were like, we'll never, ever do it, but it, it's something you have to enter into so carefully, mm. and you have to understand the incentives. You have to understand what either VCs or private equity, like what their needs are and how that's going to change the dynamic of your business. Um, so once we had crossed the billion-dollar valuation, we did take a small percentage of the company so that we could diversify personally. Right. Um, just because, you know, when you're running a company every day, everything's at risk. Um, and we met a company um, that I had gotten to know the guy there very, very well on a personal level and consider him a very good friend of mine. And Was just thought, the, uh, wow, VMG if we're ever going to... Yeah, exactly. If we're ever going to take an investment, it's going to be from these guys because... Even if they weren't giving us money, um, we so believe in their guidance that mm. it could be a very powerful partnership. And was it? It's been amazing. Yeah, those guys are, are really incredible. Awesome. So you guys grew extremely quickly, got to the billion dollar valuation. But I just wanted to know again, in the early days, what was your first hire? So you got you three guys, all pretty solid entrepreneurs. What skills were you lacking? Um, our very first player higher was uh, a utility player somebody that could do a lot of everything right uh, because in the early days you know that's really what you're looking for a super bright kid really hard worker great guy still with the company um, and that was hire number one hire number two was a chief marketing officer who uh, just went on to do amazing amazing things and was just young enough to really be a part of the social movement understood that very very well uh, but just old enough to have some maturity to him and to have had some experience under his belt another great hire um, another early hire that was just really really critical uh, was somebody that really understood production because for the first year I was doing that by myself uh, and I knew nothing about production so I was learning every lesson the hard way so that was great to bring somebody in that really had experience with that and those early hires are still there um, yes not everybody's still there some people have moved on our chief marketing officer moved on uh, but was at the company for over five years and and really just contributed in such a, a meaningful way it was amazing to be a part of and you know my thing and it's in the the 25 bullet points of the Quest belief system is you should be at the company for the exact number of days that it's the most selfish thing that you could do. You know, and I think in, in companies now um, that you're going to be there for a while, that it's going to be a 10 year, it's not always going to be a, a lifelong thing. And lifelong is amazing. And when it happens, it is so beautiful. Mm. But, you know, as an employer, I'm just super open to any kind of relationship that is mutually beneficial. Awesome. Awesome. And I guess now, you know, you guys are a thousand plus people distributed in over 70 countries. Um, I guess what acquisition channels are working for you now? 
Um, and what is the future of Quest? Yeah, right now we are um, really, really focused on retail. That is just where the vast, vast majority of our revenue comes from. And you know, speaking to the future of Quest, it's important for me to note that I'm now in a founder role, so I consider myself the chief evangelist for the brand, but I'm not there on a day-to-day basis. I'm not involved in the day-to-day strategy. Um, so I can prognosticate based on the, you know, the company ethos, which is they're gonna keep making products that are metabolically advantageous, that are real, that are you know powerful, that give people control and let them decide how they want to eat, uh, that are very clean ingredients. Um, and because of that, I think they're going to continue to become one of the biggest and certainly most important food companies on the planet because this is the change that absolutely has to happen. Uh, you know, we've got such a pandemic of diet-related diseases and they're just really, really focused on um, solving that problem. So uh, it'll be really, really amazing to continue to see that happen. And I guess just in a more of a general sense, so what would your advice be to, you know, the 20 somethings out there who have heard what you said about, you know, you don't need to take all the risk in terms of quitting your job and going all in. What would your advice be to that person? Because sometimes it's hard because you've got other, you know, well-known speakers on the internet saying go all in. And then you've got other guys saying you don't need to go all in. So, I mean, I guess, what would you say to that 20 something person who is, who's thinking about this project and they want to go all in on their project? Yeah, I mean, then do it, right? So I have no problem with somebody going all in. I just want people to understand that you don't have to do that. So if you want to do it, you want to roll the dice, you want to take a big risk, you want to burn the ships, burn them. Like, fuck it. Just own that decision. Do what you're going to do. You know, and and there's real power in that. And I actually get that. And I understand what it's like to have your ship smoldering behind you and know there is only one path forward or only one path, and that is forward. Um, I'm, I'm all for that. But for the guy that's like, I'm not going to do that if that's my only path forward. It's not. Like, there's so many ways to do this. And used to have a mentor that would always say, you know, there's more than one path to heaven. And I think that's so critical for people to understand. Like, pick a path that works for you. There is no one way to do this. And as many entrepreneurs as there are, there are that many different ways to go about building something that matters. So, you know, I just don't want people getting um, caught up in the hype or the mythology that people create. It's like, mm. at the end of the day, get good at something. Get really excellent. That is your surest path to success. Like, become the best in the world at something and then monetize that thing. Like, that's really the way to do this. Find a pain point. Find a value proposition and just deliver more value than anyone else. It doesn't matter if you do it on a part-time basis, a full-time basis, with your ships safely docked or your ships smoldering. Like, none of that matters. What matters is somebody willing to trade you money for the value that you're delivering. That's it. Like, at the end of the day, that is the only metric that matters. And only value is sustainable. It's the only thing you can sell over time. If you're doing clever marketing or, you know, selling uh, hype, 
It won't last, I promise you. And we can all think of some people that are just crushing it on Instagram, but they're not selling something of real value. Mm -hmm. And so they will fade. And they will fade because it's not a value proposition that can be sustained over time. And the people that really figure it out that understand what long-term value looks like, that you're not selling a hustle, you're not selling hype, you're really trying to do something that matters, something that is real and relevant over the long-term, they'll last. You know, and they'll be able to survive ups and downs. And those ups and downs, they come for everybody. But when you're selling hype, one down, you're done, that's it. So true. And I guess what are the, what would you say some of the biggest problems you've seen with entrepreneurs these days? I'm sure you get a lot of young guys, you know, hitting you up, trying to get some advice. I mean, what, what, what have you seen to be a big problem? Well, I think people hold themselves back. So they don't understand skill acquisition. Like they either think that you have to be born uh, a certain way and they're not born that way or um, they just, they have a path they're so obsessed with, like this has to be how I'm going to accomplish it and not thinking about paying attention to the market and saying the market is telling me this isn't working so I need to change, I need to try a different tactic. Um, those are, are really some troubling ones and then the thing that really freaks me out is people aren't prepared to actually get good. And I just cannot emphasize that enough. Like, get good. The thing that you should be selling should be amazing. So mm. Quest had to get good at making protein bars, right? Like, at the end of the day, we had to get good at that. We had to get good at building community. We had to get good at building relationships with influencers. We had to get good at manufacturing. Like, at some point, like, the rubber meets the road, and you have to become the best mm. in the world at something or a whole string of things. And that's where people need to be focusing on is I want to go out and acquire these skills. I want to get really good at what. And once you understand what it is that you want to become world class at, you'll have a much better idea of what you should be building your business around. But until you're prepared to break yourself in half to become the greatest at something, you're just not going to succeed as an entrepreneur. And by the way, you don't need to. Not everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. So you got to be honest with yourself about what it is you want. Yeah. Like I'm not the guy to come talk to if you want an easy life. I'm just not the guy, right? I'm going to paint a picture that is about 16 to 18 hour days. I don't have kids. I don't have kids for a reason. Like I'm all the way in. So I'm not the guy you come to for balance. I'm the guy you come to, like when you want to go 100 miles an hour in a direction, I'm your guy. Like if you want to wring every drop of potential out of your life, I'm your guy. If you want to talk about what it means to have a champion's mindset, I'm your guy. If you want to talk about no bullshit, not making excuses, like accepting everything is your fault, that your life is exactly a reflection of the decisions you have made and nothing else, I'm your guy. So, but people have to be willing to go through that, right? They've got to be willing to transform who they are. And I find that most people are not. Most people want a lot of followers. They want their first company to come out of the gate. Like I love, I love that your company failed. I love that mm. because you didn't stop and you're going to be better for it. And yeah. you'll have learned some incredibly powerful lessons in that. And those lessons will serve you in the next one, which by the way, will probably also fail, but you're going to get tougher and you're not going to be broken by that one either. And you're going to keep going and then you're going to smash it. And people are going to be like, this guy's an overnight success. And you're going to be like, what about the seven businesses I did? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right? And yeah. so it's the survivor types out there that have my attention. It's the survivor types out there that I'm calling to. Those are the people that I want when I throw the bat symbol in the sky. It's the survivor types that I want to heed that call because 
those are the only people that matter because they will endure and that ability to endure is what real entrepreneurs are made of yeah it's the patience and i think that's something you know i'm going to stop you there because i hate that word (laughs) we're we're both thinking of gary vaynerchuk right now and gary v is a genius that man is amazing and i'm blown away by him and i think he's incredible but what he means by patience i think is a little bit different than what people take away because gary is not saying sit back and wait Gary's saying go balls out every day over a long period of time. Yeah, That message I can get behind, which to me is different than patience. And I get it. I get what he's trying to say. And you have to understand I'm such a fan. I think he's so amazing. But I just, I hate the word patience vehemently. So what's a, what's a synonym? What would you say? I don't know that there is. I think it's really the, the notion of going hard every day for the long run, right? So rather than trying to tidy that up, like that's the truth. You've got to go all out at 100 miles an hour every day, trying to get better, holding yourself to an obscenely high standard, setting the bar high, surpassing all expectations over a very long period of time. Like, you just can't stop. You can't think, I'm going to do this for a year and then I'm going to have everything I want. It's not true. Like, however many skills you can build up in a year, think how many you can build up in 10. Yeah. Right? And it's when you talk about becoming the best in the world at something, that you've got to have a long range view. You just have to. And so that's what he means by patience, right? But in, in my words, it's just, it's playing the long game. you got to play the long game. You've got to, be you gotta play it at breakneck speed every day. So what does a typical day look like for you at the moment? Right now, there really is no typical day. I have a a morning routine, and my morning routine is uh, well documented at this point, but it's uh, basically I sleep as much as I need to. I go to bed very early, so I'm typically up very early. I sleep five to six hours a night. First thing I do is hit the gym. Um, After I hit the gym, I meditate. After I meditate, I think-a-tate. And after I do that, then I read. And after I do that, then I go through my list of the most important things. Um, and then that usually takes me, I'm probably working eight to 10 hours by the time I finished all that. And then then I'll start you know, doing meetings or calls or checking my email or whatever. But I, man, I don't check email until I've worked like at least 10 hours. Thinkitate, I'm not gonna let you just hop over that. Can you just explain what <laughs> Thinkitate is? Yeah, so here's how Thinkitation works. Meditating puts your brain in, in what's called an alpha wave state. It's considered to be the most creative of the brain states. And so thinkitating is more or less what happens when people are falling asleep or first waking up and they say, you know, oh, I, I had this problem when I went to bed. When I woke up, like I had the solution. Um, a lot of that comes from passing through that alpha wave state where you're making these really creative connections. So I try to leverage putting myself in that state in meditation to 
contemplate my most troubling, sticky problems. And so while I'm in that state, I set my mind to, uh, you know, big uh, problem and just start making, you know, hopefully very unique connections. I keep my computer next to me so I can take notes Mm -hmm. and do it probably for 20, 30 minutes maybe um, until it stops feeling useful and, and then I, you know, get on with my day. But um, since the point of meditation is to not think, Mm. uh, put yourself into such a creative mental state, I want to take advantage of that by then specifically thinking. You going to create an app for that or something? Or (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not sure there is an app for that, but maybe (laughs) if, you know, if we come up with the angle, I'm all for it. Sure. Um, Okay. For the, again, the young entrepreneur, what would you say the single most important thing is that they need to focus on in the early days? What's the one thing? You mentioned before, like, becoming the best at a particular thing, but what is that one thing that they should be focusing on day in, day out? Uh, The only general thing is skill acquisition. But to know what skills you should be acquiring, you need to know what your goal is. And so you need to have very, very clear goals. I just, man, people should be reading all the time, yeah. reading all the time, listening to podcasts, and might I suggest Impact Theory, uh, and, you know, <laughs> and that's really what I do, right? So I created Impact Theory largely because I want to give people the mindset they need to actually go out and be effective. Right. So the mindset is the only thing that's general. Everything else is specific. So if you're trying to build Quest, it's one set of skills. If you're trying to build Impact Theory, it's another set of skills. And you know that's why we broke Impact Theory off into a separate company because I needed to start focusing on different things and it was going to be things that applied to impact theory but they didn't apply to quest and so you just have to be very clear about what your goal is and your goal should dictate through reverse engineering what you're going to be um, acquiring as your skills sure awesome and I guess in terms of books and podcasts what do you recommend in addition to impact theory (laughs) Yeah, so I think Gary Vaynerchuk is putting out some of the most powerful stuff out there. Everybody should just be knee-deep in his stuff. It's very specific to marketing, but um, you know, entrepreneurs really need to have their arms around marketing. Um, that guy blows me away. Tim Ferriss blows me away. Yeah. Um, those two are, are just absolutely amazing. Noah Kagan just launched a podcast. If you don't know who he is, look him up. Um, his podcast is absolutely fantastic um those are those are great and then obviously i think impact theory is is up there and i don't say that because it's mine i say that because we've got a team of people breaking ourselves in half to just deliver the most value you know and at the end of the day we won't be happy until we are number one like there's Mm. for us there's nothing short of that and we're gonna do everything humanly possible to get us there awesome um and i guess just to wrap up now where can people find you? What, in addition to Impact Theory, what else are you working on? Are there any other projects that you have coming out soon? No, Impact Theory is my everything. Um, and even the, uh, so I'm involved in a, um, essentially a, an investment company. But even that is is spiritually 100% aligned with Impact Theory. But you can follow me at, at Tom Billu. I am very active socially. Uh, I'm going to be touring around speaking. Um, Anybody that comes to hear me speak, I'll make you one promise. Unless my schedule dictates otherwise, I will stay there and answer questions. I've stood there and answered questions for like six hours before. Mm. Uh, So as long as there are questions, I will be there. That's how you evangelize people. That's how we're going to build this community. I am hell-bent to build 
the biggest community that is helping everyone else in that community and that's really what we're all about and again the reason we have to do that is to then layer a level of technology on top of that to be able to find the companies and content that people believe needs to come into existence and that we see it as our imperative to make those companies and content actually exist Um, so building this community is a critical part of what i see as my mission in life Uh, so if people want to know why i'm doing that that's why um final question biggest inspiration as a what person as a yeah what's the most inspirational thing you've ever seen or who's the most influential person in your life well that's easy that's my wife um that woman is just unbelievably amazing and what she's shown me time and time again is the power of somebody who when you're knocked to your knees when you're emotionally devastated they don't get on their knees with you, put an arm around you and tell you everything's going to be fine because that is, while um, showing sympathy, it isn't the empathy that I'm looking for. I want to be understood, Mm. but I want someone that picks me back up off my feet, brushes me off, reminds me of who I'm trying to become and reminds me of the vision that I have for myself. And that's what she's done for me time and time again. And there's no question that I'm a better person for knowing her than I would be without her. So uh, she inspires me with her work ethic and uh, you know just loving me the way that she does and kicking me in the ass. And that is exactly <laughs> what I need. That's amazing. Tom, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, Thanks for having me on, man. No problem. Thank you. Wow, what a great episode. Uh, I learned so much. Um, so you know how we do it. The usual three key takeaways from this show. So number one, um, you don't have to quit your day job when you have a startup idea. Um, this was an interesting one for me to, to hear Tom say, because as you guys know, um, that's the first thing I did when I came up with my first startup. I quit my job and I just went all in and I haven't looked back ever since. But you don't have to burn the ship, as Tom says. You know, If you can balance the two, as he did in the early days with Quest Nutrition, and they were actually profitable before they actually quit their job. So you know, if you can balance the two, you know, go for it. If not, then by all means, quit your job. But you don't have to, is the point, especially in the early days when you haven't proven anything or your model, or you don't even have a product. So um, always, you know, just think twice when you come to that decision. The second one is there's no rush, you know, take your time. You know, startups take a long time to come off the ground. And yes, sometimes you can have a smooth transition like Tom and the guys did in terms of building a product and being profitable before they quit. But, you know, that being said, it could take, you know, years before you actually ramp up. Um, So just don't lose heart. Be patient. I know Tom didn't like that word, patience, but uh, be patient and take your time. I can't think of another word instead of patience, but that's just it (laughs) for the time being. Um, And lastly, this was a great one for me. And when Tom spoke about the landscape always changing, and you mentioned the Charles Darwin quote, the landscape is always changing. And the best entrepreneurs are the ones that can just adapt to that, really. So there's always going to be, you know, a change in Facebook's algorithm, for example, or a new platform where, you know, hundreds of millions of users are are now spending their time or Snapchat's going to release something or Instagram's going to release this new feature. So, you know, you can't just sit back and cry about it and complain. You know, you have to adapt and you should always be ready to adapt. That's just how the game goes, you know. So don't lose heart, adapt you know, work hard and, you know, win, ultimately. So those are my three key takeaways. Uh, Be sure to check out Tom's 
Impact Theory website, that's impacttheory.com, where you can get access to all the material, the podcast and the YouTube channel. Um, He's got some amazing guests on there. I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. If you did, please share this episode, subscribe and leave a comment. You know, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, we're everywhere. Um, So please subscribe, share the episode and leave a comment. Thank you very much, guys. Catch up soon.